Coming up on this week's edition of Cougar Insiders Podcast, we were without Dick Harmon this week, but we do have Brandon Gurney joining us, and we'll talk about men's basketball and the way they ended their season in a nightmare in the West Coast Conference Tournament against San Diego. We'll also talk about spring football, some of observations we've made from that, and we'll break down the women's BYU women's basketball team, which is going to the NCAA Tournament. That and more on this week's episode of Cougar Insiders Podcast. like to welcome you to the this edition of the Cougar Insiders podcast. I'm Jeff Call, beat writer with the Deseret News, and I'm joined by beat writer Brandon Gurney. And Brandon, it's that time of year. It's March Madness. Uh, we've got March Madness without a BYU men's team in the tournament. Do you have the women's team in the tournament? But uh, let's, let's talk about the men. Uh, we've got to discuss this. And Do we have to? Yes, we do. We're contractually obligated to talk about the men's team and all that stuff. So, Contra- Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, we are professionals, right? Yeah, we got to do it. Let's <laughs> dig in there. Um, so the last we saw of this BYU basketball team was in Las Vegas, the quarterfinals against San Diego. BYU, the number three seed. San Diego the number seven seed BYU had swept the Toreros during the regular season and then before you know it it's 13 to 0 San Diego and it just went downhill from there how, how would you explain what what you saw that night uh, it, it, it was amazing I, I mean they went down 13 to 0 I'm like ooh, that's rough and then they kind of worked their way back I'm like okay they're fine and then it, it just I mean it just it just got rolled in, in a way that was just shocking it was absolutely shocking to me and I was really interested to read the quotes the following morning I, I didn't stay up long enough to, to see see what was put out. But I was kind of surprised by the quotes because I think when you're done like that, you just have to do a self-ownership and just own the disaster because it was a disaster. But I'm hearing quotes like, well, San Diego's really good. They're really underrated. No, that's not. Really? San Diego? I, I mean, yeah, San Diego's good, but I, I, I mean, the, the score that just jumps out in my mind is 69 to 25. You're losing 69 to 25. You're BYU men's basketball. And the explanation is, well, San Diego's really good. I thought our guys were prepared. I, 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 I thought the quotes were kind of lacking self-awareness uh, in my mind because that was an absolute disaster. That was a moment where it's just uh, where I think you have to really look at things. I, it, 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 it was jarring. It was really jarring to me. And, and I, I don't believe I, I mean, they were probably just selling us a bill of goods, just putting out the quotes and all that. But you kind of just wonder where this team is at. And it, I don't know. I didn't cover the game, but man, I can't remember a BYU loss that has been quite that jarring for some time yeah and i think i mean i was at the game and after the, the post-game um, press conference i think you know it was dave rose and it was luke worthington answering questions and they just i mean they had no answers i mean they could not explain what had just happened and it was pretty inexplicable i mean like you said to be down 44 points i mean they were down 27 at halftime you think it can't get worse mm-hmm. and it did yeah it kept getting worse <laughs> and you know if, if it weren't for you know just in garbage time you know making a run which was basically meaningless i mean it made the score look a lot closer closer than it actually was. But yeah, it was a complete and thorough beatdown. And BYU just, they were just done. And which leads us to the question, what, uh, I mean, what, not just what led to this, but what is the prognosis for the future? I mean, what, where's BYU basketball right now, do you think? It, it's really tough to get excited about the future of, of BYU basketball right now, because what's coming in, what's changed?
changing. I We talked about this before, but I remember on January 24th, BYU played St. Mary's, the team that won the West Coast Championship. They played them at home, and they beat them pretty convincingly. And, and if you remember, that was Gavin Baxter's coming out party. And, and, and he just had the sense, man, they've arrived at a point. And even Rose was giving quotes. He says, I really believe our best basketball is ahead of us. Like, they really reached a moment. And Nick Emery had a good game that, that night as well. He, he was able to contribute. It's just like, okay, they're, they're getting it. Gavin Baxter, who's a phenomenal talent, has finally arrived, and the best basketball is ahead of us. It was easy to believe. You bought into that narrative. And then what's happened since is just amazing. I mean, if, if someone told me that what was the end result w- would happen uh, back on January 24th, no way. Are, are you kidding me? What happened to Gavin Baxter? I mean, he kind of went back and all that. Nick Emery has never been the consistent force that we thought he'd be. Um, I mean, he's had glimpses and whatnot, but to, to me, that is the, the absolutely most frustrating thing about BYU basketball is you, you don't see a narrative where this team's making marked improvements and becoming a better product over time. You're seeing setbacks that are just inexplicable. And I, I, and when things like that happen, you have to question things. You have to question everything in my mind. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say what should or shouldn't be done, but man, that, you really have to look internally about what's going on and what's this product and, and, and what's going to make it better. Yeah, I, as I look at this season, I think the writing was pretty much on the wall at the end of the non-conference when BYU's eight and seven. Eight and seven at that yeah. point. And not only was it eight and seven, but some of the losses, Illinois State, UNLV, yeah. Weber State. That Weber State game to me was extremely telling, yeah. the way they played. In fact, looking back, I'm shocked that days later, after beating Weber State, after looking so bad against Weber State, they came back and beat Utah State, which has turned out, I mean, they're ranked in the top 25 now. They won the the West or the Mountain West Conference Championship. They beat Nevada. You know, it's just, it's kind of stunning. It's like you can't understand how all these ups and downs can happen. And then, like we were talking about earlier, so BYU, I was down in San Diego when BYU beat San Diego. They were down 14 in the second half, and you're thinking, okay, it's it, this is over. BYU's not coming back from this. And they did. They won in overtime, and then they come from behind to beat LMU. So they sweep that road trip, and you're thinking, okay, maybe this team has figured it out. Maybe they're gaining some momentum here going into March. And then what happens? They come back home. They're up 14 against San, San Francisco. Everything's clicking. They look probably the best they've looked all year. And then this epic collapse. Yeah. And I, I don't understand it. I mean, at home, with so much on the line, they completely fell apart. And BYU ends up losing three of their last four uh, games of the season. So now we're sitting here looking at a team that hasn't been now to the NCAA tournament. Or now, well, they'd been to the NCAA tournament or the NIT every year since 2004, 2005, which is the year before Rose took over. First year since then, they haven't won at least 20 games. And I mean, I'm I'm getting a lot of emails from people, fans that are extremely upset. They're putting a lot of the blame on athletic director Tom Homo and coach Dave Rose. They want answers. They want change. And like you said, what the change is, I don't know. Yeah, it's really, really hard to make the argument. I'd say impossible to make the argument that BYU basketball is going to get better as currently instituted. I, I, how do you make that argument? It, it, it's really hard. I, I think Rose has done a phenomenal job. I, I, you can't criticize anything he's done in his career just because he, he's been phenomenal for BYU basketball, but the trajectory is downward. It's not upward, and it's very plain to see. Yeah, if, if you look just at next year, you look at the roster as constituted from who we believe will be back. I mean, you have you have Jesse Wade, who sat out this year because he transferred from Gonzaga. Very talented player, as we know. Uh, a lot of big expectations for him. But you lose the leading score. We're thinking, we're, we're expecting that BYU will lose its biggest uh, or best score and rebounder, Yoli Childs. We're thinking he's going to make the choice to pursue a 
professional career. You know, how do you make up for that? I mean, there's nothing that you can see on this roster that we know that's coming back that's going to be able to make up for that. Yeah, that's a pretty big loss. Yeah, it's a huge loss. <laughs> pretty big. Anyway. Yeah. Can we talk about something else? Yeah. What would you like to talk about next, Brandon? <laughs> anything. Anything. <laughs> Man, I didn't even talk about Disneyland, which I hate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, what do we what, got? What, what about, uh, you got Gonzaga. Now, we got to talk about this too. In the West Coast Conference Tournament, one of the most shocking outcomes was the way that St. Mary's beat Gonzaga. Not just, well, not just they beat Gonzaga, which was a shocker, but how they beat them, holding the Zags <laughs> to... Under 50 points. Where did that come to from? To a team that averages over 90 points a game. I mean, I, I've seen, we've seen Gonzaga several times, you know, and I'd have to say this is the best Gonzaga team that I've seen. When I watch them play live, I'm like, wow, these guys are on a completely different level than BYU. Yeah. The athletes they have, the depth, just everything. And, you know, St. Mary's team, as we mentioned, I mean, BYU's beat St. Mary's this year, so nothing to take away from St. Mary's, but to beat Gonzaga, that is, that's quite a feat. Especially when you saw how St. Mary's struggled just to get to that game the mm-hmm. night before. I, I mean, fans always put this out, and I, and I never buy this because it's wrong almost every time, is, is oh, this team didn't prepare for the team they're playing. They, they, they're preparing for the next week, the next game, right? <laughs> Maybe that happened. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Randy Bennett said, hey, our only chance to get in this thing is to win this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm just going all out for Gonzaga. Hopefully we can get by our semifinal and do that. I buy that when something mm-hmm. like that happens. But, yeah, I, I, I think ultimately it may have been a good thing for Gonzaga uh, just to have that experience going into the tournament tournament just knowing hey we can't coast yeah so that's interesting because i mean i think it could be a cool thing for the west coast conference if, if the zags could end up winning the national championship that'd be a huge feather in the league's cap to have a national champion They're the number one seed back in salt lake we've seen this before one thought i had was It'll be interesting to see how the Zags re- react to that loss. I mean, they've been coasting. They've won so many games in a row. Then they have that setback against St. Mary's. I wonder if St. Mary's maybe exploited or showed some weaknesses. One thing, one weakness I could see in the Zags that may come to fruition in the NCAA tournament is this team for months has not had close games. I mean, they've, they've been beating teams by 20, 30, 35 points week after week after week. How do they react when it's a close game, you know, minute to go and it's a one possession game? How are they going to, how are they going to handle that? I, I'll be interesting to see how that how that works out. I think. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, I, I'm I'm I, I like Mark Few. I like Gonzaga. I, I I like what they've done there, and I I'm feeling out Gonzaga all the way in my brackets. Are you? Yeah, they're they're a great team. Just because I, mean, I don't like Duke. <laughs> anyway, all right. Let's uh, let's move on to spring football. Can you believe it's taken us this long to get to spring football? Here we are, and <laughs> halfway through spring football. But uh, what uh, what stood out to you is this at this point in spring? spring I football? I really like Chaz Ayu. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that just jumps out. A guy that came home from his mission. Um, it's going to be a big benefit to him just having the spring practice experience. And he's definitely a guy that that that's that's looking like a big time co- contributor on a defense that lost two of the best playmakers uh, you've ever seen. Going to be BYU in uh, Shione Takitaki and Corbin Kafusi. Those are going to be tough. And, and another thing that I really like is that Kairos Tonga was out there taking full set of reps and being active the first day of spring practices. Um, last year he was a guy that just did not really have a, a productive off season, and he is he can be so dominant at that nose. I mean, he's a complete game changer. And I was kind of surprised after a really good freshman year how he came back his sophomore year, where he was remember he was running to get back into mm-hmm. shape and oh, all yeah, that, I remember, yeah. and, and you never know the. Injuries, these guys. I mean, maybe 
maybe he just wasn't physically able to do it. But all that aside, I think it's a real positive thing that he's out there taking full reps in spring. I think it's going to be really beneficial because if he can be an every down guy, they can bring it like he, he does. Holy cow. I mean, that, that changes everything. And that nose tackle p- position, just being able to do what he does. I, I think that's a r- real positive development. And I like Morgan Piper. I'm kind of buying into the Piper hype a bit. <laughs> I, I've, <laughs> I mean, we're not able to see a lot. So, so I kind of rely on some spies, you know, guys that are seeing it. And they say, yeah, Piper's really, really doing it. So we all know that reps for running backs can be overrated during any practice. I, I mean, you always think back to Nate Carter and how great he looked at practice sessions. So you kind of take pause with that. But but I'm starting to believe that this guy might be a factor. Yeah, one thing that I've noticed, again, we're limited in what we can see during during spring. But, uh, you know, the first thing you notice is that the number of guys that are out, they're yeah. not participating, like Zach Wilson and Zane Anderson and, you know, guys on and on. There's several starters that are not able to participate. But it's been interesting to see how they've kind of changed the role of kind of becoming coaches and kind of helping the younger players out. I talked to Zach Wilson the other day, and he said that because he's not able to take reps and throw, you know, take snaps and throw the ball, that he's, you know, taking mental reps. He's down on the sideline, and he, he's engaged in everything that's done. And then he's coaching up some of these other quarterbacks and talking about things and discussing what they would do in certain situations. And so, you know, from his standpoint, he, I mean, he's convinced that he can actually get better even without taking reps. So it'll be interesting to see. Well, he doesn't lack confidence. That's one thing oh, about yeah, Zach Wilson, yeah. and that's a very, very good thing for, for a guy that he kind of reminds me of Max Hall in a way, yeah. in that way. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of one of those traits you have to have to be a BYU quarterback. I mean, you have to have supreme confidence in yourself and your abilities. And I mean, just look at Riley Nelson. I mean, that kid was all confidence. Yep. I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Gunnar Romney. I I, I think that's gonna, going to be a real significant development if he can just stay healthy yep. and become that guy because he really wasn't able to perform at all last year. And I think with a wide receiver group that's really lacking in that guy, that guy that can really take it, he's absolutely has the potential to be that guy. So, so positive re- reports from Gunnar Romney it's a very good thing moving forward yeah one, one interesting thing I thought Kalani uh, coach Kalani Sataki said after practice the other day was he was asked is this is this offense more run oriented or is this a run or do you still see it as a run oriented offensive team and his response was no this is it's not a run first it's score first <laughs> and I think they're starting to become this we haven't seen in a while but this confidence that this offense can put points on the board that it's not just going to kind of slog around and and uh you know three and out all the time it's going to be an offense that's dynamic and like you said Gunnar Romney opens up a huge dynamic for for this offense if he's healthy with the tight ends they have again presuming they get healthy that's a lot of, that's a huge positive the offensive linemen most of them are back uh all of them but Austin Hoyt and they all have experience I think the one question mark everyone has on the offense is at running back oh yep and I but I have to say that from what I've seen Lapini Katoa has looked pretty good mm-hmm. I mean granted it's just practice but considering the fact that he ended the season injured we weren't sure status he's looked pretty good don't you think from what you've seen yeah to, to me running back I, they could use more talent but to me it's more of a depth issue than, than just a talent yeah. issue um be, because I, I mean just using last year as a guideline i mean can you really bend on lapini katoa being healthy the whole year no right? you can't and who do you go to a, a, after easter i mean Sh- sioni finals had moments people are still hoping that ula tulatau can show up uh, we'll, we'll see on that and the grad transfer thing we'll, we'll see how that pans out it's kind of frustrating that nothing's broken on that yet and we all know how getting into BYU admissions 
it's it's not an easy thing uh, by and large. So so yeah, I mean, I mean, if he stays healthy, fine, it's great. But I I'm not convinced he can stay healthy. Yeah, I think another positive point we've seen during the spring for BYU and that and regarding the running backs, Kavika. Um, oh yeah, Fanua, yeah, who looked pretty good. He's like his, one of those guys. Oh yeah, he's still here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, I thought he's. You know, they're kind of they're very careful with what they let him do because he kind of recovers. But he's been out for a while, but he's looking good. I think. Um, so anyway. This uh, Saturday is the, I mean, I don't know, it's a spring scrimmage, but it's, it's really a, just a glorified practice. And it's interesting because it's going to be over at the uh, old Provo High football field. Which is a really nice high school football yeah. field, by the way. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what kind of crowd shows up. I'm not sure what the weather's supposed to be like. I mean, I'm guessing if it's anything like the last couple of years, it's going to be rainy and overcast and yeah, cold and everything. Probably. But you're going to be in beautiful Palo Alto I that am. day. Which brings us to our last segment. we got to talk about the BYU women's basketball it team. It should not have been the last segment. This team is really good, and they're, they are very worth following and cheering for and getting behind because they've been a remarkable story. Um, they, the, uh, the women's team got a seven seed in the tournament. They're going to take on number 10 Auburn, a team that just kind of snuck in. And, and, and the inclination is like, oh, an SEC team, Auburn. It's like, oh, scary. I, I expect BYU to win this game. They really have things coming together. Juckins, who I love because he, he just gives it to you. I, I mean, you interview coaches, it's like, oh, he, nah, he's not giving now. Judkins, he shoots it straight, uh, probably straighter than any coach I've ever dealt with. And and he's he said this is the best guard line he's ever coached. Um, you, you have Shaylee Gonzalez who pulls moves on that floor that you just don't see from many women basketball players. She's a freshman. She's going to be phenomenal. She's going to be one of the greats by the time she's done. And Paisley Johnson, who is just so fun to talk to. I, I've never dealt with a personality that fun, and she's so good for the team. Her confidence is just amazing. And then Brenna Chase, who, who runs the point. All, they're they're just phenomenal players, uh, and, and when you add that guard line, you know as well as I do, when tournament comes and, and and you play a team that likes to press and all that guard play just becomes elevated. Mm-hmm. And BYU has that. I mean, you don't doubt what those three can do. That is the strength of the team. But you also have Sarah Hampson, who's rounding into form after coming off of a, a torn meniscus. And, and, and she, she, she's a game changer. I, I, six, seven, what she can do on the floor. And, and she's definitely getting better. They're a really, really fun team. And, and, and they're all underclassmen, except for Jasmine Moody, who's a senior, who's been pretty good this year. They really have something good going here. I, 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 you figure the next two two years for BYU women's basketball. I mean, jump on this bandwagon. They have a lot of things going for it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't follow women's basketball as close as you do, obviously. But from what I've seen of this team, I mean, I fully expect them to beat Auburn. And I would not be surprised if they knock off Stanford. I mean, it would be a They've big upset. expectations every they step have. this year. They have. I mean, we've seen over the last 15 so years, I mean, BYU's gone to the Sweet 16 a couple times. And uh, Juddy is a very good coach, like you said. I mean, uh, just with the men's side, with Utah back in the day. I mean, he has been involved in a lot of big games. He's a great coach. He knows how to get his players ready. Uh, in-game, tactician, you're not going to find many better than, than Juddy, I think. So it'll be fun to watch uh, the women's team and see how they do this weekend. Yeah, Saturday at uh, 1.30 um, Mountain Time, ESPN2. Okay. And if you're in California, go out, go out and support the girls. Women. I always get in trouble for that. I, I always get emails about that because I cover high school sports, and those are girls, but these are women. So, yeah, the BYU women. Thanks for listening to the Cougar Insider Podcast. We work to give you the most up-to-date and in-depth coverage here in this podcast and at DeseretNews.com. If you haven't yet, take a second and subscribe to this po- podcast wherever you are listening to today and leave us a review. And don't forget, you can email us at CougarInsiders at DeseretNews.com. We'll talk to you again next week. Next week.